Well, it seems like I say this almost every time I have a guest on, but it's absolutely sincere. I am thrilled to welcome one of my favorite players, uh, watching him do his thing when he was playing that swing. That left-handed swing at 6'6", intimidating, opposing pitchers, hitting. You know, they talk about launch angles and exit velocity. I don't know what it was back then, but I know it left in a hurry. Uh, Join me in welcoming the legendary Daryl Strawberry to Black Diamonds. Daryl, man, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me uh, with you guys. This is so important and dear to my heart and you know because of uh, the players of of color and and all that you guys had to endure and go through and i think most people don't realize that you know the doors were open for us because of others you you know african-american players just don't get a chance to put on the uniform and play major league baseball that wasn't happening yeah had it not been for doors being open and had not been for others who had to sacrifice so you know the sacrifice is real and it's real to me as an African-American player uh, because I know what it was like playing in the major leagues and all I had to endure because of my color. You know, I was I was never, never good enough, you know, for their standards, you know, for the, you know, media standards and everything. It always was more, you know, but for me, I just I wanted to play baseball, you know, and I grew up in and I didn't grow up in a great home. You know, I was I grew up in a broken home and separated and. You know, and I always talk about the fact that uh, my pain led me to my greatness, but my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior. You know, and that's real life, you know. There's real things that we all have to deal with. Yeah. Who introduced you to the game? Well, it was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Mosley, and he played in the old Negro League, you know, and, you know, he had one of those little small gloves, and he had hands like rocks. (laughs) (laughs) But you talk about someone that knew the fundamentals of baseball, he taught me the fundamentals of baseball. He taught me everything about the game of baseball. He taught me how to turn uh, to my glove side, to turn around and make a catch. You know, all kind of things. And it, people never talk about those things. Exactly. They, they talk about the things of the game today and what it is today. But growing up and learning the real fundamentals of playing baseball, I think that's why I became great at what I was doing because of Mr. Mosley. Did you fall in love with it right away? I did. It was hard at first because the fact is um, I was never afraid of the challenge. I was just lazy about going to practice. (laughs) 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 That was a hard thing to do, you know, being young and, and, you know, because baseball wasn't really that attractive, you know, until I saw a guy like Dave Parker playing, you know, 6'5", my height. Exactly. Not only – could he throw but he could run and he could hit and he could hit with power you know and I and just he thought, was cool and he was cool you know <laughs> he was cool <laughs> it was real cool you know and you thought wow the king cobert you know exactly like, you thought to yourself wow he's that is really cool see that's the attraction that brought me into baseball seeing players like that yeah no you know i've been very fortunate in the work that I do for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, Daryl, to now welcome so many folks to the museum. We honored Dave a few years ago by inducting him into what we call our Hall of Game. And the Hall of Game honors former major leaguers who we believe played the game the way they played it in the Negro Leagues. So you played it with great skill, 
you played it with passion, mm -hmm. but you also played it with a little swag. <laughs> yeah, you know, you had to have some of that if you're gonna play in the Negro Leagues. Uh, and Dave had that, and, and he was so deeply honored, and, and I'm one, and I've been on record saying, Dave Parker should be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He should have been in. Yeah. Long time ago. Uh-huh. You know, because of uh, his performance was for a player of his ability and his size to do the kind of things that he did in the big leagues. They didn't, you didn't see that a lot. No. You know, especially from an African-American player, you know, be that strong and, and be that good and be that good for so long like Dave Parker was. Yeah, no, it, he, he's a wonderful guy. And, and, and that's really interesting because growing up in Crenshaw, and I don't know, he may have passed before you got of age, but the great Chet Brewer, and I don't know if you heard that name mentioned because oh, yeah. he brought and worked with a lot of guys out in your neck of the woods that would eventually become major leaguers. Well, Chet had been a star in the Negro Leagues, a great pitcher in the Negro Leagues from Leavenworth, Kansas, <laughs> and then, of course, would ultimately make his home here in L.A. where he became so influential in doing exactly what you said Ms. Mosley did for you, for so many kids here in L.A. and helped them fulfill their dream. Ozzie Smith, who's one of my best <laughs> friends, got cut from Mr. Brewer's team. Now, Ozzie Smith, y'all, was in the Hall of Fame, and he got cut from Mr. Brewer's team because Mr. Brewer had some tremendous talent that was homegrown right out here. No question about Chad. I know I heard a lot of great things about him, and I heard about all the great players that he had, and, and also, like, Coach Earl Brown, all these guys that – you know, from the history of, of baseball and, and playing out in Compton, um, Eddie and Ozzie, you know, Chili Davis and Huey yep. Brooks. And, I mean, just so many so many black players from Southern California uh, that made, made it to the major leagues to open the door for us younger players to come and be able to do that also. And, and you never forget that. You respect that. Like you said, Ozzie Smith, one of the, you know, one of the <laughs> most phenomenal players to ever play the game of baseball. Uh, because of being the wizard, you the know, wizard. And, and everything that he could do on the baseball field. And like you said, it, it, it was about baseball is about style, you know. And you know, black players, we love the style, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. And, and the Negro Leaguers, they understood that too. And sometimes, Daryl, the major leaguers would accuse them of showboating. You know, a guy went into the hole, flipped it behind his back, started the double play. The major leaguers would say, oh, they just showboating. But my dear friend, the late great Buck O'Neill. Buck O'Neill. Yeah, Buck O'Neill said, number one, if you got something to show, show it. It's just style. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it's just the style of who we who we are as athletes. We're very gifted, multi-talented. But I think what people didn't really recognize you know about you guys is just as well as us as we worked at these things they worked they at didn't it. come overnight exactly you know that's exactly. hard work they're hard doing and learning how to do that yeah and being able to be multi-talented I, I think the importance of being an african-american player growing up myself and eric davis we just didn't want to do one thing we learned how to master to do everything yeah we learned how to run run the bases steal bases you know hit home runs, play the outfield, um, just do all the things. But if you don't work at that, you could never get good at doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think some, so many players today wonder why they're not so more multi-talented because I, I don't just think players work at it. You know, I think it was something that we worked at during the off season, 
you know, we worked on the different things and we laughed about different things and we tried different things. And, and I think that's important when you do play this game of baseball is to learn all those things. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think that was a hallmark for how they played the game. I mean, they were determined to play it. And you touched on something when we first talked. Mr. Mosley helped you fundamentally. And, and sometimes people mistake having this great gift of athleticism as these players from the Negro Leagues, because that's oftentimes, Darrell, how I describe them as some of the greatest athletes who ever played baseball because they could have played anything. Mm -hmm. But back then, to make a living professionally in a team sport, you played baseball. And so, because basketball and football were still considered more or less collegiate sports. Right. So if you're going to make a living as a black man playing a professional sport, you played baseball. So baseball was drawing the best athlete in the world. And in the case of the Negroes, the best black and brown athletes were going to the Negro <laughs> Leagues. Always have. You know, baseball, you know, to be able to play baseball um, and be of color, you better be good at something. Because <laughs> I, I can say, <laughs> you better be good at doing something on that field. Because if you're not, somebody else going to take your place. Well, like, and, and that's what we talked about. I had a very candid, candid conversation with Los Angeles Dodgers manager Dave Roberts. And and we discussed why it's been so challenging to get black managers. And because you know when our story is filled with great black managers in the Negro Leagues. But when Jackie breaks the color barrier, that aspect of black baseball never transitioned. Right. And so if you don't get and you see most managers the superstar player rarely ever becomes a manager. Right, of course. Rarely ever. It's that guy who is that role player, utility player. Well, we're not in those roles. So how do you develop that managerial talent? Where is that pool going to come from if we're not allowed to be utility players and be able to sit there and absorb and watch everything that's going on the field? That's the key right there, just like you said. How does that take place if you're not in that role exactly you know if you're not in that role you can't become a manager because you don't get to see other players at the highest level play the game and start understanding the game see role players they may not be the superstar on the field but you can write stuff down inside of your computer head of yeah, exactly. you are and exactly. get the knowledge of watching yes. these guys and why why these guys play at such a high level you know and that was gives the opportunity to be able to get to a position to be a manager. I don't know why it's not a lot of black managers. There's a lot of African-Americans who's played the game that that has IQs of the game just as well as the other one, other managers today, but they don't never get that opportunity. They don't. Um, they don't. You know, Dave and I talked about, well, today it's just Dave Roberts and Dusty Baker. And uh, the great Cito Gaston, who I know you you know very well. Cito Gaston won two World Series. Yes. And you would think that his name would come up, even if he doesn't want a job. Even if he doesn't want a job, his name ought to come up every time a job comes available, but it never does. I know. It should be mentioned, you know, even even if he doesn't want a job. Yeah. You know, and you got, like you said, you got the great Dusty Baker, you know, who yeah. who is who is my boy I love. You know, he's just as cool as ever, always he, been he, cool he, as ever. He and is. Been, I love Dusty. And he's been the best, you know, far as a manager everywhere he's been. He's been the best at what he has done, and you never hear about him, you know, getting into the next place. You know, you never hear them talking about what well, Dusty Baker, the Hall of Fame manager. Yeah. 
Why is he not? You know, he was he was great as a player, and for him to be as great as he was as a player, and then to step in and, and be a manager and do the things that he's done, you would think our society would be past that and would be raving about how great he is. And, and even in the case of Dave and Dusty, as successful as they have been as managers in our sport, they don't always get the credit for their understanding of the game. They are oftentimes described as player managers. They relate to the players. And that is a skill that you need, I think, to be a great manager. But them as tacticians, their knowledge of the game seems to always be overshadowed by the fact that they are player managers. Right. And this, as opposed to just being a great manager. For me, a great manager is going to check all the boxes anyway. And, and and I think they both check all the boxes, but they don't get that kind of credence. You made a you made a good point there. You know because a player manager is something that players respect. Because why? They know he played. Mm-hmm. They know he knows what he's talking about. He's just not talking. You know he's 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 actually done this, and and, and that's big. You know that's big. It doesn't matter what level you have done it at, but you have done it. You have played. You have been in the trenches you have exactly you know understand what it is to be two for 30 <laughs> <laughs> you, you understand uh, the struggles that you're going to go through and everything and, and the reality of it and stuff like that so um you know these guys need to be credit for what they accomplish because it's it's hard you know you can you can have the best of best players but you still n- never get there and you, you still Absolutely. never win, you know. And, and winning is hard. Winning is not easy, you know, to be able to, you know, finish that last out of the series and close it and say we're the champs. That's that's not a it's not an easy thing to do. You, you know, that's a hard thing to do. Everything has to go right. Everything has players have to show up. Players have to beat the best pitchers, you know, in playoff games and stuff like that. So, you know, you you got to credit these guys, man. I give these guys a lot of credit for you know withstanding. All that they have to take, you know, because I, I'm not around the game of baseball anymore. You know, I just I showed up this weekend because of the player lines. Exactly. You know, uh-huh. and, and, and them honoring. And congratulations. Yeah, them honoring me and Eric Davis and saying, look, these guys were game changers when they came into yeah. the game. You know, they changed the face of the game, not just playing baseball, but the community. You know, we didn't work out at UCLA or USC. They wanted us to come and work out. We worked out at Harvard Park. With trash cans and 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 teaching the kids that you can come out of these places here and you can be everything that you want to be, no matter what it is. You know, don't yeah. let nobody hold you back from your belief system to getting where you need to get. And I think that's what we have to empower our younger generation. And that's why it was important for me to come out here and be a part of this event and be a part of the kids yesterday, just to tell them kids um, the opportunity will be there for you if you want it. If you want it. But just trust the process. You got to mm-hmm. teach kids how to trust the process, not give up yeah. before the miracle. Because that was me and Eric Davis. You know, we didn't give up. Eric, you know, wasn't drafted where I was drafted. But he said to me when he got drafted by the Reds and I hadn't signed, he said, dog, I'm gone. I'm signing. We worked so hard to get to this point, you know. Yeah, he could have went to somewhere to college to play basketball and I could have went to school to play basketball. But we had worked so hard, you know, coming through Connie Mack and Little League together playing baseball and realizing this is the dream that we want to do. And if we're going to do it, you're going to have to go after it. 
You know, and, and you just got to trust the process of it. And that's what we did. You know, he trusts the process, and I did. I was in the big leagues before him. I told him, just keep playing. You're going to be in the big leagues next. And be, before you know it, he was up in the big leagues with Cincinnati. Yeah. Now, we, <laughs> we, we welcomed him a few years ago to Kansas City to experience the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And like most who come, come there, he was blown away. You know, because those are your roots. Right. Yeah, those are your roots. That's your legacy in this game. And we talk about it from the standpoint of those who built the bridge. And that's essentially what the players in the Negro Leagues did. They built that bridge that allowed Eric Davis, Daryl Strawberry, Ozzie Smith no question. to cross over that bridge and pursue You your, guys your built love. a platform that was there to show others that the game of playing baseball is cool for us as color. Yeah. You know, it wasn't – you guys wasn't, they didn't allow you guys to be in the major leagues, you know, like we were. But you guys build a platform to show us the importance of you can. You yeah. can play this game here, you know, yeah. because if, if, it, if it wasn't for that, I don't think African Americans would have ever thought of playing baseball. I don't think that would have ever been in the picture for us. I, I, I don't think so, too. And we talk about it, you know, had it not been for them, there, wouldn't have be, there would not be a Jackie. Jackie right. wouldn't have had a place to play. And, and he comes to Kansas City. In 1945, <laughs> to play for the Kansas City Monarchs. Monarchs. Uh huh. And, and I tell people all the time, the year that he spent in Kansas City, Daryl, actually spent about five months. Those five months he spent, he fell in love with everything that Kansas City is famous for: <laughs> barbecue <Barbecued>. and jazz. <laughs> 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 and, and of course, by the end of that 45 season, Jackie was gone. He had literally disappeared. His teammates had no idea where he was. Of course, we know he was meeting with Branch Rickey, yeah. and the two of them would make that monumental decision that he would be the chosen one to break Major League Baseball's six-decade-long self-imposed color barrier. But, you know, what I love about our story is that they never cried about the social injustice. They went out and did something about it. Right. You won't let me play with you in the Major Leagues, I'll create my own league. Right. Uh-huh. And it opened up an opportunity for some of the most talented athletes to showcase their world-class baseball. I could, listen. I didn't get to see it, but I could just imagine. I could just imagine the talent that was on the field. Oh. You know, guys that could play and could have played at the level just as well as Jackie and dominated just as well as Jackie did and just as well as I did and any other player of color. Because well, if, if the opportunity was there for them to play, I, I know. Oh, there's no question. There's no question no, about no it. No question. Had You'd the doors had, open sooner. Yeah, had the doors open sooner, there would have been more players from there that would have played and would have been in the Hall of Fame, too. Yeah. Now, I talked to uh, Dave Winfield, <laughs> another <laughs> tremendous athlete. Right. And then we talk, I don't know, when people understand, when we talk about yourself, Eric Davis, Dave Winfield, you guys are some of the greatest athletes ever. You know, again, could have played anything. And Dave Winfield, who's different, he said he got to know a lot of those former Negro League players. He'd sit down with them and talk to them. And, and he said he got the biggest thrill when they look at him and say, you know what? You could have played with us. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but see, that's a, that's, that's a good thing to know, you know, because it's so important for – you to understand the history mm -hmm. you know history for us is just not you know playing major league baseball um history for us is of of color yeah that uh, opportunity was afforded to us 
to play Major League Baseball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the opportunity was for was there because of others who sacrifice. You know, and we never must forget that. We never must forget the sacrifice of you guys. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, because it's important. You know, it's important for a player of color that gets to this level and play at this level to understand the importance of putting on the uniform. You don't put on the uniform if it's not for Jackie Robinson getting the opportunity. Yeah. But there were other more players that yeah. opened the door to, to show you that baseball was really cool, you know, really cool to play. When and you, black folks loved it. And, yeah, when you, <laughs> <laughs> they probably we used to jam it. the park, right? <laughs> well, when you walk into the gallery of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and, and I know you're so very spiritually grounded, when you walk into the gallery, we chose a passage that is taken from the Roman Catholic Bible, Ecclesiasticus. Mm -hmm. And Daryl, the passage says, my son, if you aspire to be a servant of the Lord, prepare yourself for testing, set a straight course and keep to it and do not be dismayed in the face of adversity. Come on. That was Negro Leagues baseball in a nutshell. Man, they loved it so much that they were willing to endure right. whatever social adversity confronted them as they were trying to travel the highways and byways of this country just to play baseball. Come on. And you see, that's what, I like I say, a lot of, a lot of these players of today, do they understand that? Yeah. Do they understand the un, injustice, you know, and the things that, you know, happen and, uh, because you put on a uniform and you get called out of, out of your name, you know? See, I see, I got a chance to experience a little bit of that when I played in Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah, the name you know, says it all. They, <laughs> they actually wanted to hang me down there. They thought I was... <laughs> You know, way out of line being a player of color and being a bonus baby at the time, which which I didn't sign for much in those days with 200000 back then, but they signed for $10 million now, you know, coming out of high school. Some of them can't play a lick, you know. <laughs> Let's just get down to it, you know. But, you know, I, I, I had to face some of these things in the minor leagues, and I thought to myself, man, and I just remember my manager telling me, don't look up there every time I was running back you know, from the field, and they were saying something, calling me boy, and out of my name, because I was thinking to myself, man, I, I'm from South Central LA. I mean, I could take this bat, and I could just whoop, go up there and eliminate a lot of folks, you know, because I, I didn't sign up to play baseball to have to go hear that, you know. I didn't, but I didn't know anybody at that time, you know. Yeah, I'm young, yeah. you know, two, two at the same time. But looking back over my life, I realized that that was. Um, that was part of the adversity that I had to go through, you know. Yeah, and I had been to, yeah, and I've been testing. I had to deal with it and had to be called every name under the book, and even getting to the major leagues and achieving it still wasn't good enough, and you, and and still experiencing that. But one thing I one thing I do feel about all that, I learned a lot about that because I wasn't playing for them; I was playing for me. Yes. At the end of the day, yeah. You know, I was playing for me, but I was playing for the team that I was with. Yeah. I was always a team player because I wanted to win. Exactly. But at the same time, I, I, I wasn't playing for the critics, you know, because they're going to they gonna say what they want to say, and they're always going to have something to say because they never done it. Yeah. And they don't know how hard it is yeah. to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and it is. And so when I have young, young current major leaguers come into the museum, and it never gets old for me. I get to share the stories with them, and we walk through the museum. And you know what I think happens, Daryl, by the time we walk out of there? they gain a greater perspective and appreciation for what they have. Because I think as human beings, we are wired to complain. 
Yeah, we're going to complain even when we don't have anything <laughs> to complain about. We're going to complain. And so sometimes their coaches or managers will say, you know, my guys were crying about a late night charter flight. <laughs> you know, a late night charter flight. And then you walk in and you see the fact that these guys could ride into a town, fill up the ballpark, and not be able to get a meal from the same fans who had just cheered them. Or they wouldn't have a place to stay, so they slept on the bus and would eat their peanut butter and crackers. And then all of a sudden, that late night charter flight don't seem so bad after all. Right. You know, it just makes us appreciate what we have. And, and, and I think that we see that a lot when we walk young, young players through that museum. Well, that's good because they need to understand the importance of that. They need to understand how many people truly, truly sacrifice for them to wear that uniform. Yeah. It's not just something where I'm a major league baseball player and, you know, I'm playing in the big leagues. Uh, but the road was a lot easier for you compared to so many others. You know, so many others had to suffer in so many different ways, and they had to deal with so many uh, different things because of the color of their skin. You don't understand that. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of guys don't get that, you know, and, and we get that because we, we know what it was like coming up for ourselves and, and, and having to deal with that. Uh, today in the game, it's a lot easier for them. You know, it's, it's well, they have everything. Yeah, because they have everything. They have at everything the, at their disposal. At, at, right at the fingertips. Yeah. You know, you, you you have from your own personal training, your own personal groom, or whatever. You you got everything. Well, well, it wasn't like that. You yeah. know. <laughs> well, I give you a good case in point. I'm in San Diego, and Orlando Hudson. He's walking me and several other Negro League players through Petco Park's facility, and these old Negro League players are just. I mean, they're blown away. There's a hot tub over here. There's a cold tub over here. They got this big spread of food laid out, laid out for them. And there was a guy on, you know, he was on the trainer's table. Right. And the trainer was massaging his side. And, and the Negro League player said, well, what's wrong with him? And, and Orlando said, oh, he's got a strained Str- oblique. <laughs> a strained oblique, a right? A strained oblique. The right. Negro League player looked and said, hell, yeah. I didn't even know I had I an oblique. oblique. <laughs> I just knew something hurt, right? Because <laughs> you're not going to be out the lineup for a strained <laughs> oblique. Because somebody else take your job, job back. back. Exactly. Right. Uh, exactly. So it is. It, but you know what? They never lamented that the, the players – had more you know you you talk to those players they wanted to see the current athlete make as much money as they could you know because they didn't make a lot right but they paved the way and allowed others to fulfill and live a great life and they loved it they didn't lament that i think a lot of people thought they would be bitter because they didn't get a chance to cash in like today's athletes but they were happy to see the young athlete. And I think you saw that with every generation. I talked to Henry Aaron. Henry Aaron comes to the Indianapolis Clowns, Daryl. He's 18 years old. Cross-handed hitting shortstop at that time. Yeah, cross-handed. Yeah, he's hitting. I heard he was cross-handed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and he told me he must weigh all of 150 pounds at that time. <laughs> you know, he's real thin. And he told me, he says, I didn't know if I was leaving home to go play with kids my own age or grown men. Well, as you know, he's going to play with grown men. Right. But you know what those grown men did? They took care of him. Right. His teammates. They took care of that young Henry Aaron or that young Willie Mays, tried to shelter them as much as they Protect could. Protect them. 
because they knew they had an opportunity to get to the major leagues. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool right there, what you, what you just shared there. And it's so important for people to understand that and that's listening and hear that, you know, uh, of other players of, of age protecting certain players, you know, because they knew that the opportunity was going to be, you know, mm-hmm. for them. You know, they were like, stepping in another time another place and people were going to probably be watching them and those guys protected them yeah. like you said they didn't envy the fact that they no. you know who they were no. they knew that their time or what they had done had had been here and it's been good you know but we see younger guys coming that that's probably going to have a chance to play at the major league level we'll never play there but let's Make sure that we protect them, that they don't get lost and lost in this and mis, misled by, you know, others, you know, who would like to come along and actually destroy you. Yeah. Because that's, that's, a, that's a true thing right there. Yeah. You know, in, in, in yeah. that, if you, don't, if you don't have that, if you don't have those players of age and, you know, great wisdom and knowledge and, and that experience that and traveling and, and showing you the ropes on the road like that when you're young and you go, you guys going into places and you making sure you protect them and let, make sure they don't cross over into another line or something and get themselves in a bunch of trouble. That's important. Yeah. See, people don't understand the importance of that. For, for guys like Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, they became great, yeah, when they crossed over, but they had to go through this other process, and they had all these other players protecting them. Protecting them. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and it was almost a badge of honor, and, and both of those men, and along with Ernie Banks and others who got to transition into the major leagues, they took in spirit that old Negro Leagues player with them because they were so appreciative of what they had done for them. And I think that is important because we've always, as a community, taken care of each other. We're not seeing that the way that we should, which is why I'm so proud of the work that you and others involved with the Players Alliance, Mm -hmm. you know, reaching back into the community, becoming real. You know, those kids who met you, you you were at the pinnacle of this game. Right. And you came from the same place they came from. Same place. And you need to let them know – it's going to be some challenges, you know, because you're coming from a different place, you know, and you don't talk like other folks. <laughs> and you don't look like other folks, so it's going to be different. I, no matter who you are, you know, no matter what kind of star you become, you know, you're still going to always be treated a different way. Yeah. And in the midst of that, you want them to understand, don't lose your – don't let them win the, the battle over you. You know, you win the battle. Yeah. You know, because – most important, you coming out of, you know, broken, dysfunctional situations, and you didn't have a white picket fence, and everything was, you know, I didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth, you know, I, I had what I had, but I learned to be who I became because of my mother. Yes. You know, she she instilled in me some some real values and principles, you know. But did I detour? Yeah, I detoured and yeah. and. and, and and I detour in my own heathen lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm grateful for it, you know, the fact that well, that too was part of the shape me and made me, you know, who I am today. Yeah. But I'm just saying, to, to be able to experience all that along those those ways, because you think about African Americans, you think about how many of them have a father at home. Okay, I didn't have a father at home. When I was 14, 13, 14, he was gone. It was it. You know, so guess what? I had to learn everything on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. father was a, Raging alcoholic beat the crap out of me. He told me I never amounts to nothing. 
I was broken before I ever put a uniform exactly. on. Exactly. You know, so exactly. I, so I had to experience life from a different perspective. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and I learned that, and I, I try to educate kids in that, you know, no matter how good we are, you know, brokenness is real. If you're broken and you don't get well, you know, you can play this game, you can achieve, and you can make a lot, but you can still stay in the same place and stay stuck. But I didn't stay stuck. I moved on from it after I took the uniform off because the game taught me so much yes. about me. Yeah. You know, to become a man instead of just a baseball yeah. player. Well, I've oftentimes said that the story of the Negro Leagues is a faith journey. It had to be, you know, to deal with what they had to deal with. And, and where you started in New York, Reverend Adam Clayton Powell Sr., Abyssinia Baptist Church there in Harlem. <laughs> and Buck O'Neill would talk about this. Daryl, they would come to the Big Apple. They'd come to Harlem and... Adams, Adam Clayton Powell Sr. would preach what he would call a baseball sermon. So you got four teams there. The Kansas City Monarchs, the Memphis Red Sox, the New York Cubans, and the New York Black Yankees all in attendance at this service. Then they're going to leave church and go over to Yankee Stadium to play this 14 doubleheader. Yeah. And the ballpark is filled and everybody looking good, everybody clean, everybody looking good. <laughs> that faith aspect has always been a really important part of this story. I know it's an important part of your life now. What led you there? Well, I'm glad you asked that because that had to be an important part of the times that you guys were living through back then, as to really have strong faith and believe in something greater than ourselves. Yeah. You know, because w what we have to face is, is different than anything, anybody else, you know. And, and I think for me, too, even coming through the major leagues and being compared to, like, the Black Ted Williams and stuff like that, yeah. you know, I, you know, the, the, the comparisons of what they compare you to is most of the time not fair because you're young and you got a lot to learn about life. Not, and baseball is, is a, it's just a game, but there's a lot to learn about the game and learn about who you are as mm -hmm. a player. And, you know, I think, you know, through the success I had and achieving all these great things, but I always wanted to know, who am I as a man? You know, not just put on a uniform. Well, yeah, I can put the uniform, I can strap it on, I can look good, I can hit, run, throw, you know, I can do it all. But who am I as a man? You know, that, that part I was always curious about. And I think I learned some valuable lessons from my mother because my mother was a woman of faith. Um, she never remarried and she raised five kids by herself. Yeah. So that was strength there. You know, she showed us a lot of strength of how, what it takes to, you know, endure and go on and, and go forward and let things roll off the back of your sleeves, you know. And, and I think that's what led me into uh, the person I am today is, is watching her raise five kids by herself and never complaining. You know that that that's 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 strength. You know, and and being you know being black and you know having to do that, that that's a lot of strength to be able to say you know I got to take care of these kids. You know, so she taught me a valuable lesson. No matter what you go through, what what type of adversities you go through, mm -hmm. there's still something great on the inside of you that you must fulfill. The promises are not just your ability to play, but your promises over your life oh, are far greater oh, than what you will ever achieve from a, uh, yeah. from playing, being on the field. And, yeah. and I learned that lesson, and I think that's why I'm, I sit here today. I would have never thought that 
God would call me to a ministry to be a preacher, you know, at, at the end of the day of my life, you know, and, and, and then here it is, I sit in this place and, and I get to do something that's far incredible than I could ever imagine. You know, baseball is far incredible than you could ever imagine playing. Oh, that, I could, yeah. That, that is hard as ever to do. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. but to cross over into life and a whole different life and have now go back and have a global impact on other lives. Yeah. Uh, the platform was used for me in a different perspective instead of being in the Hall of Fame, it was used for me to cross over into the faith that I would go back and use to reach the multitude of people and, and, and bring hope. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and hope is so important. We see so many kids who have no hope because they come from environments and circumstances much to the way that you described. Yes. And their lives are filled with negativity. There's no one that encourages, says you, you, it's okay to dare to dream. A- and we need more folks who are just saying, no, 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 you can do this. Right. You can do this. Well, that's why I made myself come back this weekend. You know, I, of course, I got a lot of, friends and family people here in LA that I love you know um, Brandon Watson Sam Watson you know I know them well you know CC and Curtis they uh-huh. all play yep. at the highest level uh, man when you start talking about kids that's that's really deep to me yeah. you know because I I know uh, the wounds that kids carry and it's, it's people like us that need to go back and help them get through those hard times and, yeah. and, and let them know that it's going to be okay. You, yeah. you still can. If you want to play baseball, you still can put this uniform on and play. Even though you may be wounded, we most people can't see it you know, from the outside because the wounds are on the inside because we don't know what the household look like and everything. So, But we know the reality of it. We all, we all have experienced some of that. And it's the best teachers are the ones that experience it and say, hey, it's okay. You know, you can get up. I, I tell you, just exactly. don't quit. You know? Exactly. Don't give up. Exactly. Yeah. Now we're all infallible, and, and uh, you know, so it's no, it's no shame in being knocked down. The shame is not getting back up. <laughs> That's the, when you stay there. When you stay down. <laughs> yeah. When you stay down, and, and I'm, I'm just so proud of of what you are doing to instill hope in so many people who are in a world of hopelessness. I know, come on brother. And and, and that is so tremendously valuable. Um, I wanna take you back before I let you go. You're eight time All-Star. You're back here in LA. Do you remember, what do you, I should say, what do you remember most about your first All-Star game appearance? I just remember how nervous I was. <laughs> More than anything, you know, thinking, you know, here it is. You watch baseball your whole life growing up, and you see all these amazing players, and you think you're going to be in the locker room with them, especially you're in the National League. You're going to be with players, you know, like Ozzy Smith, you know, and, you know, Gary Carter at the time was with Montreal. You you be these are guys you played against, and you look at these guys and you think to yourself, "Wow, you know, this is what I've always looked at. I've always watched the All Star Game when I was growing up. Watched Dave Parker make that throw from right field. Uh-huh. You know, never forget that. I was like, <laughs> oh my god. 
and you think to yourself, you you right alongside these guys. This is like wow. This is a, this is a dream. This is a dream that comes true, and it only comes true because you don't give up. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the hope that I always want to remind people: whatever your dream is and your belief system is, don't give up and don't quit on yourself, because those that quit will miss the destiny that was for them mm -hmm. you know yeah no i think we all have a manifested destiny yes we do we do and, and it's just a matter of whether or not we can maintain and stay in a place that allows us to keep on keeping on right and, and so many so many succumb right you know and that's unfortunate uh it, it's pretty special and then one 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 thing i also winning a world series the ultimate dream <laughs> <laughs> You won yeah, three of them. Yeah, well, you had won four. Four, four. Yeah, I, I won short change. Yeah, That's right, four. It's the ultimate dream. But see, because what happens is you watch baseball and you watch that happen, and you see the celebration of the team that's on the field, but you also see the losing team. It hurts. And, and sitting in that dugout. Oh, yeah. And that's a hard feeling. Oh, man. You know, and I've been in that feeling before in, like, 1988 when the Dodgers beat us in that playoffs to go on to the World Series. That is one of the the most difficult feelings you will ever experience. But the greatest side when you do win is nothing like it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's because it's the pinnacle. Yeah. It's, it's what you all always believed in. You played for this. You dreamed about this. And here it is. All of a sudden, you playing in this game. And you you playing. And even hitting home runs in it. And big hits in it and stuff like that. And to get your team to the other side. So, man, I tell you, man, baseball has been so good, you know, to me. In my years of playing and, and having to, you know, come from a place like South Central L.A. And like I said, I have so much respect for Jackie, the Negro League, and all the players that came through there and all that they did. Ernie Banks, all these other players, yeah. you know, Willie Mays, all these other players, you know, they opened doors for us to have an opportunity to be able to get to the major leagues and wear a uniform and achieve those things. No matter how folks ever look at it, yeah. you know, the respect of what it is is more important in the respect of the players that came before me eddie ozzy you know those guys come from here you know so it, it just shows that you know growing up here you know with so many you know players of color who made it to the major leagues and we didn't make it on our own we made it with all the other players yeah. the negro league we made it yeah. with all those players and, and for them to celebrate us and us to celebrate them because they're the reasons why we why we're here yeah you know, that why we had the opportunity to play yeah no you know and, and i and, and i think they were those who were able to live long enough to see a daryl strawberry play seeing eddie murray ozzy smith and some of the other great black stars move into fulfill their dream nobody was more proud than those old negro league players i know you when you meet them they they were so gracious you know of uh, of uh telling you how good of a player yeah, you, yeah. you you are. Well, they saw you know, themselves yeah, in you. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean, you know. And, yeah. and, and and that's and a lot of times in life you don't you don't see that. You see players, you know, who have a bunch of, you know, jealousy and envy of, of guys and and I remember meeting Buck O'Neill and, and these guys were amazing, sweet as ever, you know. Oh, just, yeah. You know, just tell you how good of a player you are. Yeah. You know, boy, you can hit that ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like Buck. <laughs> No, I, I, I can't thank you enough, but I want to let you go out with this. Someone once said to me, 
You can either use your circumstances as a crutch or you can use them as a ladder. Right. To climb, to climb and rise above. And clearly you chose to use it as a ladder. And you're still climbing that ladder. But what I love is you bringing other people with you. Yes. And let me say this, you know, about the culture of our people. Black people, we're strong. You know, we're used to being put down, talked down. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, his reason for marching was for all of us. You know, so that we can have a backbone. You know, and, and I think African Americans need not to forget those kind of leaders. Yeah. Because they were real leaders. Yeah. You know, they were real winners. They wasn't talking about fighting and, and stealing and doing this and doing that. They was talking about get up. You know, mm-hmm. don't let nobody run you over. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I learned from watching guys like that, you know, and learn from Jackie Robinson playing. And, you know, the, he, he played with humility. You know, he played with skill high skill you tough. know you know what i'm saying tough but the humility and of a grace. man yeah grace. and grace and dignity great, and dignity you know and and the humility of a man yeah you know wins over everything you yeah. know no matter what adversity comes and and I, I i i've learned that you know you must always remember that you know you're, you're not you look at jackie robinson dr king it wasn't just a black man. They were a man. They were a man. They had to deal with yeah. everything. Yeah. So what are we complaining about? No, we, we don't have anything <laughs> to complain about. You know, and I think that's the beauty of it. Mr. Darrell Strawberry, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. And, and I can't wait to welcome you to Kansas City to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum at some point in time in the very near future. Well, I'm going to hold you to that because I'm going to give you my number. Cause I live right in St. Louis, so I'm not that far you away. You ain't that far away. So it's no so, excuse for me to be that's it. to hop over to Kansas Absolutely. City, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and come visit that. So that's a, that's important. That's important to me. That's an important step I, I want to do before I I leave this earth. Yeah. I, I want to well, see the history of. Well, I I sincerely appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know things are busy here in LA with all the activities and festivities going on. To be here on Black Diamonds, continued success continue touching lives and like i said i'll see you in kansas city sometime soon you'll see me there (laughs) thanks brother thanks for having me i appreciate it this summer help continue the legacy of hall of famer buck o'neill by visiting thanksamillionbuck.com with one million donations of just a single buck or more the negro leagues baseball museum can move closer to completion of the buck o'neill education and research center on the historic site of the Paseo YMCA, where the Negro Leagues were born in 1920. We'll teach not only the stories of Negro Leagues baseball, but also math and science through the lens of baseball history in the spirit of baseball's greatest ambassador, Buck O'Neill. Log on to thanksamillionbuck.com and donate today. Every buck counts. If you enjoy these stories and want to hear more, Please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Diamonds is also available on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcast. For more information on the Negro Leagues and the legends of the game, please check out our website, nlbm.com 
and follow us on Twitter at NLB Museum KC. Black Diamonds is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network and is hosted by me, Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Additional voiceovers provided by Darnio Samuels. Editing and sound design by Rob Moore. Special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Vice President of Sports Programming, Chris Eno. Sirius XM Podcasts.